Welcome to Season 2 of Coastal Currents with Aaron Reed. This season is dedicated to interviews with mayoral and city council candidates running for the city of Powell River within the Cothed region during the 2022 municipal election. Here's your host, Aaron Reed. Welcome to Coastal Currents. I'm your host, Aaron Reed. Joining me on this episode is Jim Palm. Jim is running for re-election for the position of councillor for the city of Powell River on the October 15, 2022 municipal election. From Jim's submission to the Powell River Peak, and I quote, I care about the future of Powell River and the well-being of its citizens. I have the experience necessary to make informed decisions on the most important issues facing Powell River residents, drugs and crime, high taxation, retention of the industrial tax base, and related future jobs, priority loading on BC ferries for residents, and proposed name change. I will continue to attend all meetings on your behalf. I will continue to attend all meetings on your behalf, well prepared and having done my due diligence on each issue. I will listen and participate in all discussions at Council, including from the people most affected. I will cast my vote on the recommendation which is in the best interest of the residents of Powell River. Vote Jim Palm for a practical down-to-earth approach to civic duties. Please join me in welcoming Jim Palm. So I'd like to welcome Jim Palm to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me and uh, you squeezed me in at the last minute, so I really appreciate it. Not a problem. And you are running for re-election for councillor for the City of Powell River. Yes, re-election. This is my fifth time in this predicament, uh, <laughs> and I've been very fortunate to represent the uh, good citizens of Powell River for four terms. Excellent. So I thought to start off, if you wouldn't mind telling me a little bit about yourself, actually, where you were born, where you grew up, that kind of thing. Excellent. Uh, so, yeah, I was born uh, way back in 1955 in Nanaimo on the island and uh, grew up there, went to school there. And uh, from there, I um, went on to UVic uh, post-school days and uh, played some soccer, which is primarily the reason I went to university, (laughs) and uh, got an education, became an educator, and applied and sent out resumes, and Powell River was the first place to uh, answer back, and Mr. Don Schmunk interviewed me, and here I am 38 years later. In terms of growing up, um, I was heavily involved in the community and sports. That's my passion. That was my passion in my youth. And uh, won numerous championships in Nanaimo um, at provincials and and soccer and whatnot. So it served me well. Excellent. And you're still teaching, correct? Uh, Just stepped away from teaching now. I have... uh, I want to dedicate uh, this next four years to city duties. I've... uh, when you've been thirty-eight years in the school system, that's uh, more of a young person's uh, position. I was fortunate for the last seventeen years now to be a career educator, not being in a classroom. That allowed me and afforded me the opportunity to create programs for students that uh, were was outside of the norm. And I'm very proud of putting over a thousand students through trades training and opening up doors to VIU academics and outdoor programs and digital film school and all the rest. It was a great time. I enjoyed every minute. And I run into parents continually thanking me for those programs. And it just puts a, a big glow on my heart. That's awesome. And I don't know if you remember, but it was probably early in your career, fairly early. I was one of your students at Brooks. 
Yeah, I I can't remember everybody back in the early days, but, uh, you know, we did the best we can. And uh, I can assure uh, your audience that uh, I have many fond memories, both of all the students I coached and taught and all the relationships that came out of that. So it was fantastic. It's definitely no better way to get to know a population than be in the school. Yes, I guess uh, that's uh, one reason I've been in this council seat. I know a lot of people in town, so that's that's a great thing. Excellent. So what neighborhood is it that you live in within the city? I'm in Westview. I have a beautiful view. I have a nice deck, and uh, this weather has been outstanding this summer. So I'm very fortunate. Uh, I bought my house, you know, after renting my first five years here. And that's the first house I've bought, and I've stayed there ever since. We've renovated the whole thing, and it's all good. Sorry. <laughs> no problem. That's the vocal choir next door. What made you decide to run again? I mean... It's been it's been a long long run. So yeah. yeah. So the first thing uh, I will say, my first three terms, I fully enjoyed. I was uh, t- elected with six new councillors in 2008, and under Mayor Stuart Elsgard at the time, he was uh, nice to have him on board to show us the ropes. And then uh, with Dave taking over the mayorship, uh, in the next term. We uh, we all came together, we all worked hard, and uh, we all got along very well. And, you know, I will say, in terms of forming a council, it's nice to have a different perspective from the various folks there. Even though you may not agree at the council table, you all get along and uh, you leave the business at that council table, and, and that was a very enjoyable aspect. This last term was a little bit different in terms of COVID and not having people come into the uh the chamber not interacting and uh, it was a different uh, feel this this last term and I was feeling a little sense of frustration well, I was maybe one of the few counselors or the only counselor on different sides of various issues and that's not an easy position to be in but you still keep your head high you still keep the relationships you kill, still keep it uh, very positive and that's what I tried to do excellent what issues are top of mind for you as you come into this election? Yeah, so I brought a little card. I've got my little card here It's for reference, and oh, I'm just going to pull it out. Yep. I had to ask myself when I was on stage at the all-candidates meeting why I was feeling so nervous, because I've been through this numerous times, and the fifth time through, I didn't think I would feel that way. And afterwards, I, I thought about that, and I came to the conclusion that it's because of the seriousness of the issues currently before us. Right. Coming out of COVID times and we're facing a lot of drugs and crime because of our supported, supportive housing initiatives in various neighborhoods. That's been difficult and it's something that needs to be addressed. The high taxes for this last term where we tried to hold the line on the cost of living the first three terms. It's never fun being in that seat and have to raise taxes when they come in in total with regional district and school board to 10, 10 to 12% uh, on an annual basis. Uh, we need to, to address that. Obviously, the name change has brought about a lot of division, mm-hmm. not only in terms of uh, Powell River's population, but I'm understanding that there's some division out on the nation as well. Mm-hmm. And I've never had to face anything like that in the previous three terms. So we need to get a grip on that. And hopefully we can find a way to join hands, 
keep working on reconciliation because the only way you address that is by working together in partnership. And that partnership has always been strong while I've been there. And I'd like to see it a lot stronger coming out of this turmoil that we're presently in. Great. And lastly, I've been uh, on the Ferry Advisory Committee locally, headed by our chair, Kim Barton Bridges. And she's done a great job. And I'm there to support her from the city end. And we have a number of issues in terms of our ferries that need to be addressed. And the number one thing I'm going to be working heavy on, if heavily on if I'm reelected is priority loading for our citizens of Powell River. Medicals have to get on. I had a medical form two weeks ago. I got left behind and had to reschedule. It's happened to numerous people. Coming out of Land Langdale, we need dedicated lanes for Powell River so that people can get home. And we need dedicated reservations for Powell River residents, which we don't have, which are being fully engulfed and taken by the lower Sunshine Coast. So a couple other issues, if you don't mind yeah, me mentioning those. The boat harbor rates came out of a committee that the mayor and Councillor Doat ran on terms of finances. And one of the recommendations was to increase harbor rates our staff came back saying we need a 45% increase. Uh, I don't think our residents think that's a great idea. And I've already told that group and put it in writing that I will only endorse a small increase for residents because of our massive wait list. And I would increase maybe to the tune of 45%. I don't know yet. We'll play with it. Out of town boats that are plugging up that harbor and not uh, providing spaces for locals. And then the last one, Fire Hall mm -hmm. referendum. I'd like to talk about that. That is something that um, when I went to the meetings, I heard strongly from the public. There was a number of them. They all wanted a referendum. They got their referendum. From what I heard, they're not in favor of spending $7.5 which could escalate into ten by the time the thing is finished being built. So what I'm saying to everyone, including the chief, who I saw the other day, I am going to be speaking out in favor of a yes vote only for the fact that we don't have to do anything right away, but that would give us the ammunition to go after grant funding, having the population of Powell River support in order to do that, because I understand there's, there's grants out there to the tune of about $10 million that are being now passed out. Excellent. So it'd be nice to tap into something like that, because... You know, in, a, in an emergency, an earthquake, with our fire trucks under rubble, that's not a great idea. No, I agree. And there's nobody coming to help us right away either. Right. So. so what are the strengths that you possess that you find are really valuable around council chambers? First thing is, I'm always there. I've missed less than 10 meetings in my 14 years. I come prepared. I do my reading. I reach out to the people affected on the each agenda, the population. I will visit sites. I will phone people and get further information before I walk in. And when I go into that chamber, I'm usually the last counselor with my hand up to speak because I like to hear all of the dialogue first, get all the facts from staff, from council, and then I will add my questions for further clarification or my support for a very, uh, an amendment. Okay. In terms of other strengths, obviously I have some experience that I bring to the table. What I'm hearing out there on the street right now is changes in the wind. And I, I understand that because when I was first elected in 2008, 
six new councillors came and were elected. So I know what it's about. Mm-hmm. I've been there, done that. And this time, I see a lot of strong candidates. I was very impressed at the all candidates meeting the other night. Everybody spoke well. Everybody was on best form, and the audience conducted themselves great. There wasn't a lot of, you know, jabs or anything being thrown. Everybody was very respectful. I think they were just happy to be out and being able in a group after COVID. Mm, yeah. And uh, it was it was great uh, event. And there's a lot of good people running, so there's no guarantee I'm going to get back in. But I can say that uh, with these issues, why I was feeling nervous that night is the severity of them, and I can lend my experience to the task ahead. So with that varied people that we're looking at running, 18 candidates for six spots, often what may arise is conflict. How do you deal with conflict? I am very fortunate. I have heard and seen in other jurisdictions what can happen in a council chamber, and I've been very, very fortunate over my 14-year career not to have to face that. Because we all share our opinion, but we leave it at the table, and we take a vote, and that's the end of it. Uh, we don't we don't spend a lot of time in conflict, and uh, if it was like that, I wouldn't be running again. So I can say it's been a very positive experience in that regard. This one's a little longer. Okay. <laughs> so our youth aren't able to vote. However, they are a very important part of our community. And we have little for them to do outside of sports, arts, and outdoor activities. And many teens aren't into those things. So do you have any ideas of ways that we can address the lack of spaces for teens and young adults and better support them? Well, that's, that's a very heavy question. You know, having been a teacher for 38 years, I've seen youth every week of my life while I've been here, if I'm not in school and during the summer. Working at Brooks and seeing those students every day and the way they conduct themselves in that setting, I can say we are so very fortunate with the youth that we hear because in a small community, everybody pretty well knows each other and uh, they're respectful. And I've got to say, every time we have visitors at Brooks, we get nothing but positive comments on their students' conduct. So that's a good thing. Now, yeah. in terms of what else we can do, I'm going to share one ex- one story with you. It was during my second term, and I had just started a youth council, and uh, Carol Ann Leishman picked it up uh, third term, and she's done a great job, much better than I did. <laughs> but I did get a group of students together, and we talked about issues, and one of the students that wasn't on that committee but came to see me in the counseling office said, Mr. Palm, I know you're on council. We need a new bike park and, and, and skateboard park. So I took that student. I said, you're absolutely right. Walked him into the other counselor's room that dealt with students in this regard and said, Allison, I need you to help this student write a letter. That letter went to council. He came to a meeting. He spoke. And you know that we have a, a new skateboard park and bike park as a result of that. Right. So if there are youth out there wanting something, access and, and um, getting your questions heard is an easy task. You just have to sign up for the youth council or approach a counselor and say, I have an issue I'd like to come to talk to you about. Just like any citizen would like to come into a committee of the whole as a delegate 
and talk on any issue. So if you have some great ideas, we'd like to hear about them. Excellent. Have you read the 94 Calls to Action put out by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada? I can't say that I've read it. Uh, no. Doc, okay. page, word for word, page by page, no. Okay. And how do you think the city is doing with regard to truth and reconciliation? Uh, that's a one, one heck of a loaded question <laughs> in regards to where we are presently. Right. Um, yeah, when you look at the uh, residential schools and the grave sites, and we hear about them regularly now, it just it doesn't make your heart glow, that's for sure. And uh, we've got a lot of things to work on. But I can, I can say this. It takes time. And Powell River has been working on this for, and doing a great job on reconciliation and working with our friends in Klahaman for a long period of time. And when I was first elected, I'm gonna share this story. I was at the event in 2003 when the Community Accord was first signed at Dwight Hall when the ceremony was conducted and it was a great event for our community, no doubt about it. Mr. Alsgaard, uh, the, the mayor did a great job. And out of that, we continue, and we have never, in my 14 years, turned down a request in terms of reconciliation or pretty well any other asks up until now in terms of working with them hand in hand. And I have heard from other municipalities, councillors, when I go to UBCM or AVICC, that say your community is being used as the example of how partnership should be done hmm. on the First Nations front. And you know, that, that makes you feel good mm -hmm. because uh, they're, they're, they're pointing across the water and saying from Vancouver Island, look what's happening in Powell River, we need to do the same. So I know we're, we're on the right track, but where we are right now with all the asks coming before us, and, and I, I, I'm gonna be very truthful. Klahaman has a new group in charge and they've hired, I believe, three consultants to work on city issues and other matters. And they are bombarding our staff with question after question and putting tremendous strain on the, on the whole system, hmm. which isn't fair. Uh, you know that uh, Mr. Russ Brewer recently left. He's taken another job. One of the reasons is that. Really? He was just being swamped because he was in charge with dealing with those issues and questions and asks. And uh, it becomes overwhelming when you've got three on one. So with him gone now, we're gonna have to take a look, if I'm lucky enough to get back in, to take a look at our upper management, put somebody in charge that isn't in charge of those questions on a daily basis to take the strain off of them so they can manage city matters, right? and hire one or two people underneath to deal with what's coming at us in that regard. Okay. It's, it's, not, it's not healthy, and uh, we need to make some changes. Fair enough. So when you actually already did mention this, but one of the major concerns of electors is rising taxes. Uh, do you have any ideas on how we can stem the rising of taxes without cutting services? Oh, well, without cutting services, we have a certain amount of money that we have to pay out. And uh, raises are, are continuing to come. RCMP, they're unionized. They're, they're getting a big raise. CUPE is going to be asking for, you know, there's, there's contracts with others in, in uh, BCGU that just got 10 or 12%. We know th those big asks are coming. 
So if we don't cut, uh, I don't know where we're going to find all that money because we're not in the best financial shape and we've only got another year of the mill taxes coming. So in a year's time, when that dries up, hmm, boy, we've really got to look deep. And just holding the line will be a task on taxes at the moment. But what I'm hoping is that we can recreate the mill site industrial base, not with maybe a big project, because those are far and few between, mm -hmm. but we can create an industrial site on there, that original site to house a number of businesses, smaller in nature, doable in the near term, and get things up and running so that we can recreate that industrial tax base to help with all of our costs. That's my. That's a big challenge for this new incoming town council recreation of that base, so that we can keep the wheels turning. Right. So my next question was about the emergency services building, but you've already covered that. So unless you had anything else you wanted to add to no, that, I, I think I, th I think I've covered it. You, you know my my stance. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm going to vote yes. Uh, I was there today and I voted yes, and it, I only voted yes not to build it but to examine the situation and try to go after additional funding. Get the wheels turning kind of thing, yeah. yeah. Do you think council has more of a role to play in the affordi affordable housing issue? Yes, I do. That's already been stated in our council. Um, our present council is, is all over that. Councillor Hathaway, she's got a big heart. She is socially minded, and she's been beating that drum for 10 years with the mayor. We're there. We have to use our surplus lands, which we have quite a, quite a bit of, in order to provide that low-cost housing that people need, especially at the entry level. I feel very sorry for our youth trying to get a, a leg up in this housing nightmare that we're presently in. So we have to definitely uh, turn our sights on housing. Okay. And then crime. Crime's been on the uptick, and there's a lot of citizens that are you know, really concerned about the situation we're in that way. Do you think there's something more council could be doing to help with the crime issue? Biggest problem we have with crime, it's not that our police aren't trying to step up. However, when they do step up and they charge someone and they go to court, the policies now are don't send to jail, return them to the street. So it happens time and time again, and they're back out there stealing or doing drugs or whatever they're doing. Mm -hmm. It's an and an, uh, like like being on a wheel trying to to get off, and you're you're you keep batting your head against. And I feel very sorry for our police force, but I do have a couple of ideas. One is around supportive housing, that has created a place for a roof. Supportive housing does nothing more than create a roof for people to live under, and the management that's currently in currently in place. Are not so a lot of the staff aren't trained. the The job, as far as rules and regulations on how to run the facility, are not not there. The training of staff is not there. The expertise health from professionals is not being provided that these folks need. So the next step up is care, not supportive, but care for for the individuals under that roof. And we've just been given in the city, fortunately. $2 million for the next three years, $6 million in total to hopefully create something around our 40-bed facility to provide that level of care and rehabilitate and 
hopefully get some of these uh, clientele back into the workforce and all the rest. It can be done. And we are in a very fortunate position here in Powell River. If we can't do it, the transients in other places on the island are up against it because we're semi-isolated. Right. We have a real opportunity to do that. And with the six million coming, let's uh, put it to good work and see what we can do on that 40 bed. But in terms of putting other supportive housing in place and destroying neighborhoods, no, I'm not in favor of that. Even though there may be a need, until the management team in town, not, not BC Housing, but the management team in town is upgraded or recreated uh, to be able to provide that level of care. I'm not saying I'm not in favor of anymore. Okay. And then my final question I've been asking everybody is kind of the doozy, the name change. Uh, and you do did mention it a little bit earlier. Is there anything anything more you have on the name change situation? This is um, something that's ever on everyone's mind, and uh, I've been talking to. Some of the uh, new councillors that are running that have gone door to door recently. And the first question they get is, where are you on the name change? <laughs> like a, from door to door. Yeah. People are focused on that for whatever reason. And, and I think it, largely it's because of the process that was put in place. It was sprung on us at a 3C meeting. Some of most of us were online because of COVID. And, you know, we, there's, there's no way we can dodge it. I know the mayor was trying to hold off and say, hold on, we need to do this right. But they just jumped in with both feet. So here we are. The joint working group, all of that was conducted behind closed doors. I was certainly not privy to what was going on there. I would get reports, so that was about it. I went to all the meetings of the joint working group, the public meetings, and um, tended the once some of them online and to a large extent our citizens were were largely shut out of the process and i think that's what's created a high level of interest in this issue they need a voice mm -hmm. and when i take that oath of office the first thing that's on my mind is representing the people listening to the people and doing the people their will at that table. That's who I represent. I don't represent me. I represent them. And I represent all of them. So that's first and foremost on my mind. And in terms of the name change, my position is, is this, which is different than others. It's a position of, let's work this thing through together and come out with a solution where we are going to form a strong partnership, a bond for further reconciliation and a pathway forward so that we can work hand to hand and make this a stronger community. We have an opportunity. This has presented a great opportunity. I don't look at that as a negative because we need to come together like never before in terms of our mill shutdown and all the rest and financial condition. So yeah, I see it as a great opportunity I want to work closely with our First Nations Klahaman friends and provide that for our citizens. So I think the, I don't know if anybody's mentioned it on your podcast, but I'm certainly going to mention it. We received an email a couple weeks back informing us that the Department of Highway is slated to install two signs, one near Black Point and another out Lundway that reads T-Squat, 
slash Powell River. That's what's on the signs. And <laughs> the BC government is doing this in all jurisdictions. So it's nothing new. It's coming here. Okay. And it'll probably catch a lot of people by surprise. And I don't know how they're going to react to it. But, you know, it's a good step forward. And that's the position I've been advocating. It, I don't know if Klahaman was even consulted on the name they want on that sign. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of people could be throwing their hands up in the air. But what I'm saying is we need two names for the time being. And if we were to have a public opinion poll now or two years from now, I have a feeling I know which way that would go. And it wouldn't be pretty. We don't need that. But we need two names on a sign right now. I, can, I have no problem with that and form that partnership to work towards the future because here's why. When I was at that public meeting, a young girl from Brooks, a recent graduate, stood up strong, passionate, proud, and said, oh, I can hear you at this meeting. The older generation may not want a name change, but my generation, in 10 years' time, if we don't get it now, we will. Hmm. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. It's going to take time, just like it took four years in Haida Kwai to change the name of the uh, Queen Charlotte City to the First Nations name now. It's going to take time. And in the meantime, let's work with two names. Let's form that bond and go forward together. And I agree with that student. Excellent. Next student. So we still have a little bit of time. Was there anything we didn't talk about already that you wanted to get out to electors? I've touched on all of the major issues facing us. I guess one other issue that I need to talk about when we talk about taxes, uh, and uh, I don't mind talking about it, at the council meeting tomorrow night, we are going to be facing a, a Zunga bus, bus question. And over the course of the pilot project, having one Zunga bus, which was totally funded, was supposed to last a year. It got off to a late start and then uh, finished up. Um, this past summer and we created funding for six more months which was another $80,000 or something like that and then BC Transit came to the table two weeks ago and said we've taken a look at the Sangha bus we have pilots running elsewhere we're not funding yours hmm. however we will give you extra funding towards upgrading your present routes routes 1 and 2 in Westview and here's how much it'll cost the city comes in at about $175,000 to upgrade those two routes next year. They asked for us for a reply. Well, that's on the docket tomorrow night, and we'll, we will vote for that, I'm sure. But the Zunga bus is the second question. Will we donate another $208,000 to keep it running next year? And I, my response is, and not ne just next year, but we're going to have to do it the year after because PC Transit isn't coming back till 2025 on this because of their studies. So I'm not committing to another 200 next year and a 200 after that in the type of tax shape we're in. So I will be voting against Sangabus funding and, and let the new council deal with it. And it should be the new council dealing with it. That's the Sangabus where we are on that issue. Okay. Is that the 200000 for the same level of service it's at now as opposed to an expanded route? Yeah, that's just for Westview. Wow. Yeah. yeah, and so those taxpayers that are up in Wildwood and Cranberry are paying, would have to pay in their taxes into that and not be serviced. It's not fair. And they're the ones farthest away, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. That's, that's not a good situation. 
But, you know, BC Transit, when they do their pilot, there's, there's hope that uh, they'll look at our present operation and revamp. I know they're going to be studying it, and uh, we can incorporate those smaller buses into our, our regular system. Hopefully. <laughs> you know, that's the future. Right. That's this next term. <laughs> so it's not that far away. Fair enough. Is there anything else we didn't discuss that? No, I think I've touched on the administrative jobs at the other end that now have to be replaced, and that's another big job of, of council mm -hmm. and the new mayor, whoever that might be. So I can just say that I'm happy if reelected. I love I love representing the town. I like the job, and uh, working with various new people on that council with my experience would be a pleasure, uh, because. Let's face it, we all love this beautiful place we live in. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come chat with me thank today. Thank you for having me, and thank you for squeezing me in on short notice. <laughs> no problem. And that concludes this episode of Coastal Currents with Aaron Reed featuring Jim Palm. For more information about Jim, check out his write-outs in Cothet Living and the Power River Peak. Until next time, this is Aaron Reed. Thank you for listening to Coastal Currents with Aaron Reed. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. For more interviews, visit coastalcurrents.ca or follow us on Facebook at Coastal Currents with Aaron Reed. Thanks again for listening.